We are two women in academia, raising questions and breaking down perceptions from a black point of view. Welcome to the Black Gaze Podcast. It's your girl, Dr. Porcher. And it's your girl, Dr. Bertrand. Come, come on, tech genius. Come on, in the room. Oh, you tell me be still. <laughs> yes, please be still. <laughs> Listen, friend, can I just tell you? God has been like stretching us in this season because we're being, stretched. we're being stretched because we have been in uh, the College of New Jersey's recording studio. We have been at your house and now we are on StreamYard and on YouTube and we are just leaning in and learning all the things. So I just want to say kudos to you because the way you are holding this tech down in the back, come on countdown, come on video, come on record. Like who won't it? Like I hope y'all watching this YouTube greatness. Okay. Who won't it? So I'm just proud of us. Like I'm really, really proud of us. Um, you know what? Can I just say, not only am I proud of us, but I am mostly proud of us because we have released ourselves from the spirit of perfection girl so it doesn't this this we like you said we done been through several different ways to record and there was a time when we would be like no we can't put it out because it don't sound right no we ain't got sound effects no you go in and out no all these different things but in this season God is saying, be obedient, do what I tell you to do. And I'm still going to get the message through. And I'm so thankful that we are being obedient and that he, because of our obedience, he is releasing uh, just favor all around us. Listen, I can't even oh, wait. Taking me. I can't even wait to tell the people. We can't tell them until the last episode, but. Yeah, we got the NDAs out here. But... We found the NDAs out here. I need, I, you know where my mind just went with that NBA conversation. But um, I was just thinking about how Heidi, remember when Heidi, <laughs> why you because so I just got it. Heidi used to tells me all the time, shout out to uh, Dr. Heidi Oliver Ogilvie about like perfectionism is so unfair to yourself because it's not mm-hmm. real, right? And so I feel mm-hmm. like the things that we are stressing stressing about just because we like things to be done and excellence, like people aren't even focused on. They're focusing on the word that is going forth. And so that just brings us to what we're going to be talking about today, friend, which is going to be an ouch and an amen for a lot of people. Um, So can you tell the folks what we're talking about today? Listen, we ain't got no fancy title. It's just straight up colorism. It's just straight up colorism. And so let me just gather our family. Yeah, gather their edges and their wigs and their natural hair and their straight hair. I wasn't even thinking about the hair. I was just thinking about in general, like just gather your folks. Bring them to the table. Bring them to the table. Take them to the front porch, outside Mm. in the backyard, whatever needs to happen. But this is a conversation that must happen in our community and i'm just thankful that we're leaning in and we're having this conversation and we got a dope amazing co-host like that i cannot wait for the folks to meet that's gonna lead us in this conversation today um so fran i know you told us what we're talking about but can you also introduce like only you can um provide this love for your delta sister let us know who we're talking to today Listen, first of all, I'm glad you threw that in there because there's no other way. But um you try to give people props. You try to go, just go for it. Go. I can't with you. But anyway, 
Um, we have with us, can I just say, we, you know, we start with backstage conversations and things of that nature. And you come across people with all kinds of different personalities and spirits and stop. Let me get to my point. I don't cut you off when you talk. No, why do you have to add that part in? That part. I'm about to go somewhere with it if you let me go. Come on. Relief me. Come on. So when Dr. No. Reverend Doctor, get it okay. right now. Right, Reverend Doctor Akosua Lasane came into this space. She just brought a a piece, and it was like you know how you talk to somebody and you know that like I've never physically met you or actually had like a conversation with you in real life, but you just I feel like I know you. I'm connected to you, and it's very mm. seldom that we get to a space where you meet people who have that just that energy that is just peace yes i'm gonna let you do her official bio and i'm gonna tell you how what you just said aligns to who she is in real life so also come on discernment okay so let me give y'all this reverend dr lasane is an educational design leader and creator of a teacher development framework for black pedagogical genius she termed the black teaching tradition and that is a copywritten term so and come on trademark so don't even try to steal it so i'm gonna need you to cite her when you use it okay um in 2018 she founded the lasane collective corp so it's the same collective uh dba sisters in education circle and i think you went to that before i'm gonna save it for later oh okay okay i'm sorry i can't in Lasane Agency Learning Village, so Lasane Learning, Akosua began her educational career as a high school social studies teacher. You know, I love me some social I know studies. you love social studies methods. Keep going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Prior to founding Lasane Collective and the Sisters and Education Circle in Lasane Learning, Dr. Lasane's commitment to upholding historical legacies of Black pedagogical genius for social mm. justice and liberation defined 15 years of work as mm. a teacher, then a district leader in the 6th, 4th, and 19th largest school districts in the nation, respectively, and design consultants serving a wide array of educational organizations and initiatives across the United States from preschool through higher education, including theological education. Listen, I just need you to pause for a second and put some respect on her name. Because I think that when we when we think about the power of Black educators, this woman has touched every single facet of education. So she ain't new to this. She what? True to this. Okay, I'll let you finish. Mm-hmm. So Akosua was licensed and ordained by the late and legendary Reverend Dr. Mac King Carter at Mount, a new Mount Olive Baptist Church. Girl, you know we love a new Mount, okay? You know, you know we love a new Mount Baptist. Shut <laughs> <laughs> up. Sure. You probably like <laughs> Florida. And she served under Dr. Carter as an interim minister of education. She is also in an ordained elder, wow. Presbyterian Church USA. Dr. Lusane earned a bachelor's degree from Harvard University, I believe. A master's of, she didn't put this. I'm hyping her up because I'm listening. But if she did put it, it's okay too. Yes. A master's of arts in teaching from Tufts University. 
and a doctorate in educational organizational leadership at the University of Pennsylvania Graduate School of Education, another Ivy League. So I just, I'm just like, look who we got here. Listen, look what the Lord, look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. Come on, shout out to Jonathan McReynolds. Um, I just before we even bring Dr. Lesane to the screen, come on from the back. I just want to take a moment to like love on her out loud. So I don't even know how I found out about her sisters in education circle retreat. I think somebody emailed it to me at that time. <clears throat> I had just started working at, was I just now working at work, working at Rutgers? I wasn't making a lot of money. It was just, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to pay for this. And Mo was like, I'm going to make sure you go. And the moment we stepped on those grounds for that retreat, like God was present there. Like, but Dr. Lesane, her energy, like love at first sight, like she loved on every single woman that was present mm. at that retreat. Now, I wanted to say something about the peace that you talked about because you just read her bio. She's absolutely amazing. But I didn't know any of this information about her at the retreat. Because she took the time to center us. And she is teaching us all a lesson. Like her creating a space for Black women to be in community with Black elders and educators. It doesn't take away from who you are when you open up your platform and your space for people to be able to heal and to grow. I was in one of the roughest times of my life and my marriage when I went to this retreat. And I came back like, okay, I can do this because of the work that she did. And so I just want to take an opportunity to say Thank you, like to like in front of all of these people who are going to access this podcast, not just for what you did for me, but for every single woman that was at that retreat and the work that you continue to do selflessly. Like, I think people should know about who you are and how amazing you are. But because you are humble and you are doing God's work, you don't feel the need to boast about who you are. You just allow it to embody your spirit. So I'm just so thankful that we're here today and I'm excited to bring her out. So. <laughs> I'm so I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to be here. First of all, y'all see I got these glasses on. Come on, glasses. And my mascara and my um eyeliner before 11 30 in the morning. And so, <laughs> and Dr. Porter is just gonna make me just wipe it all off. I uh, yes, the feeling is mutual. It love at first sight um, for all the women, including and individually, Doctor Port. I mean, I'm just like, yeah, I don't know who that is, but I love her, <laughs> and she's she's here. Um, I do know who you are. There are so many women who have been touched by that retreat that you did. I was in there teaching yoga, and doing all types of things. I didn't know nothing. I'm like, they want me to teach yoga. <laughs> oh yeah no i did a good i did a good church style i was like yeah y'all gonna come but you also gonna serve can you sing can you do yoga can you can you teach the people how to do how like yeah no that i definitely had that in the registration form do you have a gift do you have that you can share room? right can you, can you yes oh, 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 oh and then of course um you know meeting dr b virtually through dr p of course you know I, if anybody connected to Dr. P, P, I was like, okay, that's, and then, yeah, and then she became my, my soror, and so I'm just saying all this to say that the feeling is absolutely mutual, it's absolutely Listen. mutual, so. 
I'm gonna tell you off. I'm gonna tell you offline. I ain't gonna put her business out there right now while you and Dr. B have to be connected. I'm gonna okay. let her tell you. So okay. I'm gonna just get us started. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Um, so also, I want one of them t-shirts. Okay. Well, these t-shirts are listen, God is doing something else. We don't okay. Get them okay. okay. We got you. So okay. the amazing thing about your retreat, and I'm just gonna like merge it all together, uh, is uh-huh. the work that we did with elders. Mm-hmm. That was so like I, I'm getting like chills mm. thinking about it because one, I was raised by my grandmother mm-hmm. and there were other women there who were also raised by their grandmothers. Mm-hmm. And that, those are my sisters now that we talk about. But like on this podcast, you, even in your retreat, you talk us the importance about being connected to our elders, mm-hmm. their work that they've done and mm-hmm. how that work can lead us in the work that we're doing in education. And we do the same thing here on the Black Gays podcast. We always that. open up honoring the OGs, the people who paved the way for us. We recognize we didn't do this by ourselves. Anybody who's saying that, they lying. Um, you said it on the shoulders of somebody. I don't care who it is. You said it on the shoulders of someone. So we're talking about colorism today. And I know this, I, I was telling Dr. B, this wasn't even something that we talked about at the retreat. It just came up naturally. But it, you didn't stand up like, hey, we're going to be talking about colorism. It just happened. Um, so tell us an OG who inspired you to dig deeper, to really think about colorism in the way that it shows up in your life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I'm almost 50, so I got two. I'm going to just, I'm going to I'm like, I'm always, I'm in, I'm in. I've been here almost a half a century. And so I have, I have two. Okay. Um, the first one is Alice Walker. So Ooh. the listeners may or may not know Alice Walker was the first, the, the one of the earliest um, uh, p- people to say the word colorism and define it was mm. Alice Walker. Wow. Uh, we may or may not, you know, may or may not know that. And um, that was in 1983, though. Like, so think about all the years that colorism had been happening among Black people. And it wasn't until 1983. Uh, of course, people had been naming it, right? But for someone of Alice Walker's stature, um, and also she's, you know, she's a brown skin. I've never met her in person, but from pictures, she's a brown skin, kind of light brown skin uh, sister. So for someone who doesn't even get like the worst of it, um, mm-hmm. and we'll talk about that scale. Uh, um, but for her to to say, no, 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 there's this thing that's happening <laughs> and I'm going to call it colorism. Um, so that was in 1983. And she defined it as the prejudicial or preferential treatment of same race people. So within Mm -hmm. the community, Mm -hmm. based solely on their color. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and and some of you um, may may know or may not know or may not remember, Suge Avery in the book was a dark-skinned Black woman. Wow. So uh, that's just, we're just teasing some of the stuff we're going to talk. In the book, right? The love interest, the one who's supposed to be the sexiest, the center of attention. In the book, she was a dark-skinned Black woman. Uh, What had happened? Wow. What happened? Wow. <laughs> right. And so I'm going to um, read a quote from uh, Alice Walker. Again, hard hitting, hard hitting. Mm-hmm. You know, she came out, she came out Alice Walker style, right? Like, no, we're going to talk about this thing. And I, I need y'all to let this sink in because I actually um, learned of this quote recently through my second OG. Mm. I looked at my second OG. I had never heard it. So think about all those quotes that we heard from Alice Walker. And I had mm-hmm. never heard this one before. This might be one of them amen or ouch moments. <laughs> but Alice Walker said it, child. I'm quoting Alice Walker. She said, I admit it. Alice Walker said it. <laughs> she said, 
I think there is probably as much difference between the life of a black black woman and a high yellow black woman as between a high yellow black woman and a white woman. Let that sink in, right? So, because we always talk about the stratification between, mm -hmm. oh, black, but she's like, no, I think there's probably as much in this. I'm, I'm, I'm not done. This is quote goes on. I think there is probably as much difference between the life of a black, black woman, a dark skinned black woman and a high yellow black woman as between a high yellow black woman and a white woman. So we're talking about that. There's a chasm here, right? Mm -hmm. And I am worried constantly about the hatred the black, black woman endures within black society. To me, the black, black woman is our essential mother. Mm. The blacker she is, the more us she is. And to see the hatred that is turned on her is enough to make me despair almost entirely of our future as a people. Alice Walker. Mm. But just think, I had... I never heard that quote. All the quote. All, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> I feel like y'all. I feel like you bubbling. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like okay. So I have to share the story before we get started. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, one summer, and I had all my nieces come mm -hmm. to to stay with me for a week, mm -hmm. and we went. We were like doing events, going to parks or whatever. And we, I have a, a darker skin niece, and mm -hmm. we were dancing or whatever, whatever. And, and two of them got into a tiff. Mm -hmm. And one of my, the lighter skin nieces was like, that's why you're not pretty mm. because you're black. Now I am considered the fun aunt. Mm -hmm. So very rarely do I chastise, mm -hmm. you know, raise my voice. I lost it. Like mm -hmm. my whole face went red. Mm -hmm. And I was like, let's have a conversation right now. Mm -hmm. And my niece started crying like, you've never raised your voice. I was like, mm -hmm. I must raise my voice now. And so even having a conversation about, I was like, do you know how you got that lighter skin? Mm. let's talk about that and so when you just said that quote about like the darker skin the black black woman is our mother for our culture mm. and my niece looked at me like I was like so somewhere along the line of my mother's family someone was raped for you to mm. get that light Mm. I was like, mm. so when you're out here telling someone that they're not pretty because of their skin color, know that it costs somebody something for that skin color that you have. So I never want mm. to say that ever. I was mm. like, actually, she's much better than all of us. She's probably more pure. Than mm. we are. Mm. And my nieces, I'm sure they were like at that time, like maybe 12 mm -hmm. and nine. And they probably didn't understand what I was saying, but I needed to make that clear. And I understand mm. that through my own time at Spelman and a lot of work that Oof. we did at, on colorism at Spelman, like just mm -hmm. about our, the ways in which people were only admitted based on their skin tone. Like those are things that we talk about at Spelman. So I had to have that conversation. There was no way I can let that ride. Mm -hmm. and like mm -hmm. just let them continue playing. It mm -hmm. messed up the mood for the rest of the day, <laughs> but I have never heard them use that language again around me. Mm -hmm. I was like, it's inappropriate and it's unacceptable. Period. And yeah. so when you just said that, shout out to Alice Walker for naming that thing. And anybody mm -hmm. who's upset about the truth, then ouch. Then ouch. <laughs> right. <laughs> She's like, and let's moving on. And I do want to say that I um I haven't witnessed it uh like real time on social media, but I do want to acknowledge that I know that um from trusted sources. Alice Walker has recently said some problematic things about transgender yes, uh, women. Yes, yes, so yes. I just want, I just want to be, I just want y'all to know that like in my quoting Alice Walker, I am 
by no means um, in support of those right. things. And at the same time, I'm honoring her as her, an elder. Her. And yeah. two things can be true. Like two you things can, can be true. something that can be powerful and you can say something that can be harmful too. Absolutely. Because we have to recognize that there's this is a human that we're talking about, right? Yeah. And so there's no perfection in that. Yeah, mm -hmm. a human who is swimming in the waters of white supremacy, right? Oh white hetero, hetero patriarchy and yeah, all, all those things. So, absolutely. So, uh, so the woman whose book I first saw this quote in, and so that, and again, I just want to like, I'm an Alice Walker like fan, and for us to have never heard this quote anywhere else, ever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Um, says something about, I know we'll get into it, our hesitancy to just really discuss colorism. Mm -hmm. Right. Y'all quoted Alice Walker on everything else. But and, I and I ain't never seen, you know. So um, the OG that I'm honoring is Marita Golden. Mm -hmm. uh, Marita Golden. In 2005, about 20 years ago, she wrote a book called Don't Play in the Sun. And the subtitle mm -hmm. is One Woman's Journey Through the Color Complex. Mm -hmm. And uh, she wrote that in 2025, just a hard hitting. She, she leaves no stone unturned. And she shares her personal experiences, which I know was very difficult, right, to read. Mm -hmm. But she leaves no stone unturned. It's one of the most thorough, for me, one of the most thorough accounts of how colorism shows up in the life of a dark-skinned uh, Black girl mm -hmm. with, um, with quote-unquote, coarse hair. Mm -hmm. We're going to stop calling tightly coiled hair coarse right. because it's soft, and if you ain't if you ain't never touched it, then that's your bad. You're missing out, right? But why, right? Why do we call it? It's very soft and actually the most delicate form of delicate as far as needed to be taken care of, needing to be wrapped up, you know, all those things. But if you touch tightly coiled hair, it is soft. So let's today stop calling that uh, hair coarse. It's not coarse at all. Um, let's just stop putting negative names on anything black in general. Hello. Like, How about that part? Like it ain't nappy. It ain't nappy. It ain't nappy. Like, it I just don't understand how, well, I do understand because anti-blackness right. is small and we all breathe it in, but right. I just, and Dr. B will tell you, like, I'm very intentional about, trying my best to be intentional about the words that I use. Like, even when people be like, this is so ghetto, I'd be like, no, this is a trailer park. I mean, <laughs> but I do want to reference <laughs> trailer parks are diverse. Okay. Right. <laughs> this, 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 Right, four C, three C. I don't know. Right, it's it, pretty. Is what it's it is, pretty. and yeah. it and it does and it does things that your hair cannot do, honey. Don't like like it, 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 it's it. Listen, no, it's 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 amazing. It's obedient. It, mm. You know what I'm saying? It defies gravity. It's mm. always reaching for the sun. It's mm. uh, like we need to develop language um, mm. to describe the beauty and the wonder, uh, yeah. all of all mm. of those things. But what I will say about Marita Golden, like it's Golden, wrote this book 20 years, 20 years ago, y'all, 20 years ago. But what I love is that she, she just calls it out. She uses two terms that will give you an, a, an idea of just how hard hitting and incisive her writing is. And also just very personal, right? 
she uses the honey. She uses the phrase "skin color apartheid." And then the next I mean, one, intra-racial genocide. Intra-racial. So, yeah, intra yeah. Within ourselves, mm. we, are, we are killing off or allowing to die on the vine those who do not pass the brown paper bag test. Intra-racial. So I just, so that's just a little taste uh, read it, um, enjoy it. And so I'm really thankful to her because it's just very, it's very obvious how deep she had to dig, right? Um, to to share these experiences. And she really just left left no stone. She left no stone unturned. Um, I'll give you one more example. There are a million of these books, but as you mentioned, there are a million examples in this book, but as you mentioned being at Spelman, right? And so she had experienced so much colorism by the time she was 18, she decided not to even apply to Howard University because she said at eight, at that point in my life, I was more equipped to deal with white supremacy than I was to deal with colorism. Mm. That is so good. Like, she's like, I, I, I'm good. I'm not, I, I, you know, and, and, you know, we know. Beloved Howard, the Mecca, right. Mm -hmm. um, you know, in her book, she also calls out that DC is known you know, as the capital of colorism. Wow. And Howard is has not been exempt. Howard has not been exempt from that. They didn't have, I don't I don't know when Howard was founded, but in her book, she said they didn't have a brown skin. So not even like chocolate or dark. They didn't even have a brown skin homecoming queen until 1968. Wow. And I think, listen, as you're saying this, I'm like, my head is exploding because when I was a freshman at Spelman, we have to take this class called African Diaspora in mm -hmm. the World. It mm -hmm. is mandatory for everybody. And we had, that was one of the first conversations we had was around colorism. And we even talked about straightening our hair. Like, why mm -hmm. do you straighten your hair? We talked about the history of high mm -hmm. heels. And like, all, we were just talking about like beauty and making sure that we understood black beauty as mm -hmm. dynamic and multifaceted. But one one statement came up that I will never forget that I'm that I'm always conscious of. There was a, a darker skinned girl in the class and she said, I'm so glad that we're having this conversation mm -hmm. about colorism. And everybody turned to her and she said, every time I go into a room, I always look to see who's the darkest person in the room. And I'm the darkest person in this room. Mm. And so she was like, so even when we're having conversations, I'm still in my body. Yeah. And I still have to sort through this. And so even yeah. though you're having the conversations about HBCUs, it's also our our responsibility to be having these critical conversations about the harms in which we have engaged in that can cause students to show up and be conscious of like, how am I showing up in this room? Not that it doesn't. I'm not saying that black communities are the only communities that do right. it. Right. Because you know these happen in um, white-dominated spaces too. Yeah. But it's our responsibility to be having these conversations, which is why we're having it with you. Absolutely. And I think it even goes beyond HBCUs, right? Mm -hmm. I think it also goes into sororities and fraternities that are black. And there have been. I'm thinking of that Spike Lee joint with the Bugaboo, and mm -hmm. then the, you know there's certain sororities that are labeled for light-skinned girls mm -hmm. at one point in time. And you would look at certain varsity girls and be like, well, they got to be this or they got to be that, right? Mm -hmm. So I feel like this anti-Blackness, this colorism, it is in all different sectors. 
Absolutely. And, and it, and it is, um, as Dr. Portia was mentioning, um, it's prevalent in, it's prevalent all over the world. It's prevalent in every community of color, right? So it's prevalent on the entire continent of Asia. It's prevalent throughout Asia. Yeah. Yep. It's prevalent yep. in Latin America. It's prevalent, um, you know, and, and in some, you know, in some of these places, for instance, where marriage really does marriage and mating and things of that nature really does determine more so than in the United States does determine um, your social status, does determine your, your ability to access income and housing and, and safety and family and security. Um, yeah, the colorist preferences all over the world can actually, I mean, can and do, you know, lead to death of, of one way, one way or the other. So yeah, it's, it's everywhere. It's everywhere, honestly. Yeah. So let's let's move this a little bit along and move into our testimony because we done honored the OGs. Now we need it. I got a testimony, right? What on a personal level brought you to this work around colorism? What is it that made you say like, this is what I, this is what I'm gonna look into. This is what I'm gonna research. Like what brought you to this? See, I saw this question mm. and I, I was like that doggone uh, Dr. P and Dr. <laughs> B. So y'all just gonna get it by business early. Y'all just, y'all just not, yeah, y'all, I was like, y'all just, listen, we read your credentials, but now we got to tell the people that you're qualified, you know, like you're experienced, you ain't new to I this. I was like, sis, <laughs> let's get in your business. So, so what happened? already started the conversation, we started <laughs> honoring the OGs, okay? I was like, so what had happened was, um, you know, as a as a dark skinned black woman, as a dark skinned black girl, dark skinned black woman, I have always felt the need to protect myself from mm. being in close proximity to colorists, right? Mm. And to colorism. You're gonna get it in larger society, but very young. I was I I knew I was like, yeah, I don't because I didn't experience it in my family. You know, mm. I mean everybody in my family looked just like me. <laughs> right like on both sides for generations you know it's just um and so I had this mechanism growing up that if a brother approached me and this was before social media so you just knew people's business because we went outside you know we went outside to play we, we, we were neighbors you know we, we saw people at school and stuff and so I, my thing was like if a brother approached me no matter what age you know I mean started like little puppy love and stuff like that if I saw that he only dated light-skinned Black or light-skinned uh, biracial folks mixed with Black, I was like, yeah, no, I'm good. I mean, from very young. It was one of those ways that my spirit, because I'm like, so, because here's the thing. Most Black people in the world are brown to blue-Black in the entire world. Mm -hmm. I don't know the percentages, but I'm going to say, and y'all, you know, y'all chime in. I'm going to say like upwards of 90% of us mm. are still light brown to blue black, mm -hmm. right? Quarter past midnight. Mm -hmm. And so my thing is if we're in this black community where upwards of 90% of us are light brown to blue black, and you've only ever dated light skin women. That's what you, mm. that's your preference. Yep. That's, that's statistically that's just not even a with. random possibility yeah right but what had happened was child <laughs> i was all like y'all really want me to tell my <laughs> i was almost 40 mm. um you know 
was uh, match made. What's that? How you say that? Match somebody match made me, set me up. Okay. Matchmaking. Matchmaking uh, mm -hmm. with the brother. Uh, tall, gorgeous, chocolate brother. Um, I love my Southern men. Tall, chocolate, Southern man. I got me uh, one. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> and so, um, you know, uh, black liberation theology spouting pro-black. This brother was colorist to his draws. I was hoping you didn't say that. But you know, I'm almost 40, had never been married, except so I ignored um not just signs around colorism. That's a whole backstage conversation. I ignored other signs, child. Yeah, I, 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 signs I, on signs on signs. It was just signs on signs on signs, right? <laughs> <laughs> like I saw a meme that's like, did you see those red flags? They're like, no, I thought it was carnival, girl. I thought <laughs> Um, you know, but all of all of his previous wives, plural, mm. um, were not just light skin, right? Not just light skin black, but also light skin black, and also like mixed with something, right? So that exotic, mm. that exotic, blues, yeah, quote unquote exotic, because we're the original exotic uh, uh, in, in a positive way. But you know that quote unquote other than black, right? So she, they, these weren't just light skinned women; they had to be you know, mixed with some other kind of indigenous or European something to have this look about them. Mm -hmm. um, ambiguous. Amb amb like, right, right. Just not, right, exactly. I know I'm exactly say, what you're talking about. I'm going to say this. They ain't look like his mama. Girl, let me put my shoes back on. <laughs> I always literally say, I always tell my husband, like, I'm always sad I am. And I'm not shading nobody. No, not at but all. Like, if, if the women that you are choosing are not aligned to your mother in some type of extent, like there is some self-hate going there. There's something there. And I, I don't know what that journey has been for them because they probably right. got to do that work. But right. when I see men who are like, and I feel like people can have their preferences, mm -hmm. but I'm I'm always looking at your mama I'm, and I'm like, okay, well, why are you making your first love? Thing? Your first love. What's your issue with your mama? But that's a story for that's the whole, that's the whole. And so, you know, I in you know ended up in a relationship. child. I, I'm gonna tell y'all the, the details back, but ended up I I yeah, I ended up in a girl like sacrificed a lot to be in this relationship, et cetera, et cetera. So I will say, um, his wives and girlfriends before me, uh, the one who I'm certain because of the timing of things, he was dating while he was with me. Shame. But then ended up kind of publicly with. I was like, well, the timing, the math ain't mathing on this one. Math, because I, I just moved out. Uh, so, so I, yeah, and right. so again, the same. I mean, even to the point where uh, a mute, a friend who was a mutual friend, they're no longer a mutual friend because I'm not friends with them, but um, said that they said to him, "This person that you're dating now is just an older version of your most recent ex-wife." Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like that kind of well, that's your pattern. That's what right, you do. Right. But you may ask yourself, how does a dark skinned black woman end up in a relationship with a colorist? Well, people have these identity things, right? Mm -hmm. And people have these things where they're just black, black, black and pro-black and everything is black and my dogs are black and my sheets are black and my curtains are black. And you know, they have these public images mm -hmm. and they have these aspirations and, and his public image is and was very much kind of predicated on this notion that I'm black and I'm proud and I love black and I'm loud with it and I'm black liberation theology, but it ain't real. 
Because mm. you can't bring yourself to love somebody who looked like you or your mama. Mm-hmm. And so I think that there was a part of him aspirationally, right? Who was like, oh, yes, this, this, this is her. But he had never before or after, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, sur- honestly, surviving, there's nothing. I, I mean, all, all pain, you know, every, if you're experiencing pain, it's your pain, right? So mm-hmm. I'm not going to compare pain. But there was a unique pain as a dark-skinned Black woman being in a relationship with a colorist Mm. that once I survived that Mm. I started speaking publicly about colorism Mm. uh, and its impact on me Uh, so that's when I started my Facebook page I don't have the Facebook page anymore that's when I started my Instagram page and I let people know like I've since met experts who've dedicated their lives to this but it really was just it was it was my form of resistance saying no I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna share my feelings about this. I'm going to share my experiences with this. I'm going to publicly share my analysis. And it just opened up, it just opened up a waterfall. It was just, so I praise God that I survived that, but it's not something you want to do as a dark-skinned Black woman to be in relationship because it's not like the, I mean, all all aggression is aggression. I don't believe this microaggression stuff. I mean, I understand what the scholar was trying to say, that he's saying it's constant and that type of thing. But we associate that with being little aggressions. There's nothing little. There's mm-hmm. nothing slight mm-hmm. about these aggressions. And so it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, you know, like what people would traditionally call call like abusive or whatever. But it, it's just, it was just, it was insidious. It was insidious. Child, mm-hmm. his, his ex still had the, see, y'all got me telling them, but that girl still had the keys to our house. See, that's why people be going to jail. Listen, let me just stop right there because I want, I want my gold stars for not burning that house down to the ground. I just... Because and I, because I, I, because I envisioned Angela Bassett on them. Listen, I envisioned circling that house with gas. <laughs> I envisioned, and I just want you to, as my sisters, to give me the gold star gold for give not burning that house down. Hmm. Sorry, Doctor B, I cut you off. No, no, no. This is this is so good. But I'm sitting here listening to you, and I'm thinking about how you were able to be in this relationship and identify what was happening. You were engaging with the colorists, you know, in relationship with one and you were able to take a stand and say, you know what, this is what I'm going to do in response to that, where I feel like me included, and this is why I'm bringing this up. I was dating a guy. I, and I know this is going to sound real petty, but I don't date light-skinned guys anymore. Well, I'm mm-hmm. married, but if I won't marry, I would not do a light-skinned guy. And it's not that I'm a colorist, right? but it's because of the relationship that I was in. One of their grandmothers was like, well, you're not, you're darker than a paper bag. So you're not the one. She said that out loud. She told him that in front of me and I heard it. And so she wasn't talking directly to me. She was talking to him. And at that, I'm so silly. I'm like, well, what's she talking about? Because I ain't never heard nobody right. blatantly say that in my face. Right? Right. His mom was my complexion. His daddy was my complexion. I don't know how he ended up in that complexion, but I went through that relationship. And when it was over, I had another relationship very similar with a, a person and, and it was the same type of vibe. And actually he started dating while he was dating me, a girl of lighter skin, mm-hmm. right? And he treated her so much differently. Mm-hmm. Like I can, I can pick up on it, but I could not articulate. I didn't have the words to say like, 
this is what I'm experiencing. Mm -hmm. Like these are colorists. There's nothing wrong with me being a dark skin girl. And what that did being in college is it kind of messed with my self-esteem because there was guys who were fine. Okay. And they were trying to talk to me and I would be like, mm, I don't know if they really want to talk to me like that because I didn't realize that those two relationships had played such a role in how I saw myself. Like yep. I was confident, but when it came to like a guy that was super, you know, fine, I'd be like, they might be out my league. They, they, they more so with a, you know, a lighter skinned girl than me. So yep. you really don't understand how internally mm -hmm. this impacts you until you start having lived experiences and you respond. And then you're like, so to me, I'm listening to you and I'm like dang you was able to catch that while you were in it while mm -hmm. I jumped from one relationship to the next relationship and never like felt like I could articulate that or I could even come up to why I was feeling the way that I was feeling and then the impact that it later had on my self-esteem but I recovered because now my man is fine fine okay hello <laughs> I'm here I'm here for it I'm here for it well also remember that I was 40 that's true. I mean, yeah, I didn't, you know, and it took me all that time to just eat as express because y'all know, I mean, Dr. Pino, I'm expressive. You're very expressive. So it took me all that time. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But I think too, like the way you show up and like the way my friends from Spellman explain it is just like, you just come in and you swoop. It's almost like you just take your arm and you just swoop everybody in and everybody's uh -huh. protected. That's who you are. So yes. if somebody, if you met somebody and y'all feeling each other, that's just your, your arms just come open and say, woof, you want yeah. my protection. And that's just who you are. So I, I can see how it's just like, okay, I'm with this person. I can see some of these challenges, but they're, they're in my protection. We all together, we're going to figure it out together. Yeah. So I think that sometimes we forget who we are as a people, like down on the inside. That's what we do. Like that's what we do. We People could be on the street. Like you need some help, baby. Come here. Let me help you. You, you this person so i could see how you could be caught up in something mm -hmm. like that and feel like hold on i know they ain't catch me off guard i'm usually the one right right, <laughs> right. Oh, no no who you are yeah and just also you know since y'all all in my business you know like amongst, <laughs> since we here now child we don't yeah, we, 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 we don't turn onto the side road called my business um, <laughs> um you know honestly uh, Dr. B, I, I still have I, that, that insecurity that you have, mm. that you said that you have, I still have it. Mm. I still have it. But I, still, I didn't know what it came from, right? I still Until have I'm it. here at 40 and I'm processing it with you. And I'm like, oh, that's why I was responding to guys like that. I, st I, I, you know, there, every other area of my life, you know, Founding a nonprofit, leaving, you know, getting off the getting off the, the career path that I was on to do my every other area of my life. But it is something I I something that I actively work with with my therapist about. Mm. I do to, to today going on like it's because it 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 rattled my sense that I was a value of worth to a black man of any hue. Mm. and I'm still yeah. I am still recovering from that as as fly I look in the mirror and as fly as I know that I am all the thing it it's real 
it's it, and it's something you do have to work through. But Holly, I'm gonna work through it. I'm gonna have me a fine listen, man. So listen, I, I you know, you're gonna have listen. You're gonna have to get your door lined up. You're gonna have to be praying for discernment. Listen, like, listen. I I believe, but I just wanted to, and I and I, and I want to share, you know that, you know when Doctor P asked me to be on this. My answer to her was, I mean, I had lots of answers to her, but I had, it was a long, but at the end of the day, it was like, I will do this for you. Mm -hmm. And I want to say to you all, to Dr. P and Dr. B, that you too set an environment because I would not have shared what I just shared. I wouldn't have shared it on any other Mm -hmm. podcast, but I believe that Mm -hmm. my saying that out loud uh, helped me, helps me on my journey and it's going to help somebody else. Mm. It's going to help somebody else, but it's very, it's, it's, it's something that I have to work through of feeling that a black man Mm. of any hue would find me worthy, find me valuable, Mm. um, enough to partner. And I'm I'm about to tear up. So I just want to thank y'all for this space, because I believe that there's a reason that I'm sharing this, even though we all on this side street called my business. I done gave you a little something, but you know what? I'm listening to you, and I know we have like questions and things. I, know. <laughs> I listen, listen, I just feel I feel like also um you talk about it with relationships with a man mm-hmm. or a partner for mm-hmm. those you know who are mm-hmm. in we're talking about in, with a man. I can also see this play out in friendships. Yeah. And the ways in which we as darker skinned women position ourselves in friend mm-hmm. groups. Ooh, and that yeah. was another experience mm-hmm. um, that the I dark, had. The dark, the dark skin sidekick. Mm-hmm. And that was another experience that mm-hmm. I had in college, right? Mm-hmm. Like, where is my role? And even now as an adult, I ain't going to leave you out here telling your business by yourself. <laughs> Um, <laughs> there's been times when I've questioned relationships, like friendship, mm-hmm. like you know, mm-hmm. you see people who've been friends for years, right? And you like, well, where why to say like have that sustainability in some of these relationships? And then mm-hmm. I am listening to you and I'm like, because there wasn't the same value in those relationships. You were the the dark skin sidekick, it's in your fine dark skin sidekick, but you wasn't looked at in the same manner, right? And I'm thinking even about um, in the episode, there was an episode, and I know this is crazy. I'm bringing this in here, but of Housewives of Potomac, mm-hmm. they were talking to Wendy and Candace about how they're treated within that relationship, mm-hmm. and it's so crazy because some of the ladies didn't even realize because they had that privilege of not even realizing that without thinking, you do treat them differently, you do mm-hmm. position them differently, that you 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 do that. And so colorism not only shows up, that's my point, in the relationship of dating, but it also shows up in our relationships that are friendships that are just supposed to be relationships filled with joy. Mm. Absolutely. Listen, Absolutely. Everybody putting their business out there, I put mine out there too. Let's do it. <laughs> okay, come on, business. I do, you know, like this colorist conversation is is so deep for me because my mother's lineage is like the first lighter lineage in our family. So mm-hmm. when you said like everybody in my family looked like me, <clears throat> that's not the case for mm-hmm. our family. And so my, my best friend who passed away, Toya, I know she wouldn't mind me telling this conversation, telling this story because she told 
this story to everybody about me. Um, but she was a darker skinned girl who I met and I loved her. Like I had moved to Atlanta. I, my sisters were in Cincinnati. And so I gravitated to her, but she ain't really used to fool with me. And I used to be like, why she don't like me? Like, why she ain't fooling me? And then one day she was just like, I don't really fool with lighter skinned girls. I don't really like them. And I was just like, She's like, you didn't do nothing to me, but I don't fool with them. And I remember like looking at her friend group, like all of her friend groups were darker skinned girls. And she was just like, but I like you, Keisha Wood. So I, you know, I'm gonna deal with you, but I'm gonna just tell you, I don't really be fooling with these folks. So even when you said like, I can't believe I found myself in a colorist, you know, in a relationship with a colorist, mm -hmm. I think it's so important for us to talk about that because I see this like two-sided conversations about like, well, dark skinned girls did this to me. And that's why I don't fool with them. I remember when I met Toya's friends and before we, I met them, she kept telling them like I, we were going out to a club and I was with, I had known Toya for a while, so it didn't matter. But before I met her friends, I heard her talking to her friends on the phone and said, look, she likes skin, but she cool. And I was like, the whole car pulled up and everybody was dark skinned. But for me, I have a dark skinned sister. Like, so I was just mm -hmm. like, why do they own me like that? Mm -hmm. But when you just said, like, um, I, did, I couldn't believe that I found myself in a relationship with colorists. I think it's so important for us to talk about, like, people are really not trying to harm you, but trying to protect themselves from people who have harmed them because of their skin color. So Absolutely. it's easy for us to be like, well, let me point the finger. And at the time I was young and I was just yeah, like, yeah. Oh, what the problem is with me, y'all need right. <laughs> Time, there have been instances in her life where she had been harmed and so it was easier for her to protect herself and say listen I don't really deal with light-skinned people period and she would say the same things that you said I mean like when these light-skinned guys be trying to talk to me I ain't about it like I <laughs> always wanted her like, she was like I don't even like you you ain't my person and I'm like <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I recognize and I think it's important for us to have this conversation like mm -hmm. if you find someone who's like not willing to rock with you yeah. I really want you to take a step back and say it might not be me but it could be something that has harmed them and I'm going to honor that moment right. I'm going to honor their decision to protect themselves until they feel well enough to want to be around you like and Toya eventually she was just like this is my girl this is my sister we rap with each other mm -hmm. but that relationship had to be built and yeah. so I just want people to be mindful of that like it's easier for you to go into victim mode but to right. also recognize like the roles in which we have played and perpetuate in colorism it's so important for us to own that and to honor what you all are saying and figure out how we can show it better yeah yeah and and um you you hit on something I was gonna share uh towards the end is that it might not you know it might not be me but it might be you right mm -hmm. so yeah. don't underestimate our intuition mm. don't gaslight us you know, uh, because we have to, we have to know what colorism looks like. Yeah. Right. And so to your point, don't go into victim mode, do some self-reflection. Mm -hmm. Right. So just like black people know when anti-black racism is afoot, mm -hmm. just like those of us who are, you know, looking at sexism, we know when sexism is afoot, yeah. dark skinned black folks know when colorism is afoot. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, you know, it might not be you, right? It may just be like, I'm tired. Like I, today, I'm <laughs> like, I'm not, I don't, I don't have it. You know, we could be the best of, but right now I need to protect myself. I'm healing, et cetera, et cetera. Also, and don't gaslight us. Mm, we, don't gaslight us, you know? Um, 
Because I was coming on y'all show, I was ready with the statistics, honey. I got, I got, I got, I got like, I was sitting here, I'm like, let that breathe. Like, yeah, yeah. let that part breathe because I feel like that gaslighting part. Mm. I feel like when we have co conversations around colorism and when they do come up, it is a lot of gaslighting. Like, well, wow. I never treated you that way. But it's like, if I'm telling you that you said something to me or something has happened to me, I just need you to honor that. Right. Right. And, and would know. you? And would you say that if the shoe, if the tables were turned and a white person said that to you about anti-black racism? Would your response be that way? Well, would your so why switch up? Right. And, mm -hmm. and it's particularly like, you know, going back to my ex who had this like, you know, image of I'm pro-black and I'm I, I have all these words for anti-black racism. I have all these words to describe systemic oppression when it comes to to blackness. And then all of a sudden you have no words. You have, mm -hmm. you have, you have no understanding, you know what I'm saying? And so I just want to share quickly the definition of colorism because it goes in here. That was uh, our new, we, yes, you all did know. So yes. you, you so hosting, go. Yes. <laughs> It just fits, it just fits because it's colorism is a form of structural oppression. Mm. Mm. Right. And so, you know, just like racism, just like sexism, just like heterosexism, mm. it's a form of structural oppression. Mm. So when a dark skinned black person moves a particular way in the world, um, and if it has to do with you, it, they are responding to st structural oppression. So don't mm. let off of your critical analysis mm. now to become the victim. Oh, oop. Ouch. You know, because I mean, like, don't, don't, sis, don't do, don't, don't do that. Mm. Don't, don't do that. It's keep that same energy. Keep, keep that it's same, the same energy. energy when you're being asked to do what you're asking everybody else to do. Mm. Keep that same level of analysis. Mm. Keep that same strength of social political consciousness. You, if you go throw the terms, then throw the terms. I'm just, you know what I'm saying? Because these are the people who be out there like, and yes, and the structural, da, 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 the anti-racism and the internalized <laughs> blah and the micro And you ain't got none of them words. Not, not, not when it's on you. Not, not when, when you're perpetuating it. Not when you're perpetuating it. And so anyways, I won't read the whole, but, but just because it just fit here that it's structural oppression, um, that marginal social marginalization and systemic oppression of people with darker skin tones and the privileging of people with lighter skin tones, mm. right? And so part of the gaslighting is like, oh no, but I think you're beautiful. And, but it's like, girl, I know I'm fine, child. I, that ain't got nothing to... That, but it's 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 a uh, it's really it's a dog whistle. Mm. Mm. It's 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 a dog whistle to say, oh well, the problem is they don't have enough self esteem. Girl, I know I'm beautiful. I got a mirror and a mama and friends. Mm. I ain't never I've never questioned that. It's the structural oppression that marginalizes me. But then don't forget the other part. It benefits you. Mm. Don't 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 forget that part. So anyway, I just I didn't want to no, stop listen, the flow, I, but I just I wanted to, to keep, share that I definition. Want to keep going because I want you to talk about. I know you have some statistics because mm -hmm. 
it's important for us to name it. Name mm-hmm. some of the benefits. I know you know. Go. You know, you know, absolutely. Well, one of the, one of the things I wanted to say when we were talking about like social groups and how people, it's not in people's head, right? So uh, this is a quote from a study. It says phenotypic features, because colorism ties into featureism, texturism, all that stuff. So it's not just that I'm dark, it's that I'm dark with West African features, tightly coiled mm-hmm. hair. It, and the more so, the more marginalization. You literally can mm-hmm. measure it. Right. Wow. And so it says phenotypic features associated with the social categories or category. I'm getting excited. Sorry. Y'all. No, take your time. Take your take time. Categorization <laughs> of racial groups have been strongly linked to stereotyping, mm-hmm. prejudice, and discrimination. Notably, individuals perceived to possess higher levels of Afrocentric features mm-hmm. dark skin, full lips, wide nose. There we go. The quote coarse hair have been subject to increased negative stereotyping, remember, within the race. Mm-hmm. Um, people allege that they are more aggressive, um, mm-hmm. that we're violent, that we're dirty, that we're poor. Mm-hmm. This is black on black, sis. So oh. when you talk when you talk about those social groupings, it's not in dark skinned black people's heads. Mm-mm. It's not, even if this study didn't exist, dark skinned black folks' observations for centuries would be enough. Mm-hmm. Right. But these studies do exist. So again, all the people wanting to cite statistics and blah, blah, blah. I got some statistics for you. <laughs> I got mm-hmm. some statistics, you know, um, you know, we talked to talking a little bit about education, right? Dark skinned black girls. Let me find, let me find my stuff, honey. Cause I had it for you. I had it for you. Black girls with very dark skin are over three times more likely to be suspended. So we, I got all these people talking about the school prison pipeline Mm -hmm. and don't say nothing about colorism. Mm. Um, Black girls with very dark skin were three to over three times more likely to be suspended from school than black girls with very light skin as skin tone darkens the pay gap shifts. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Let me give you an example, right? Because sometimes we, we talk about, oh, it's a color problem. I mean, we tell you it's a race problem. It's really a color problem, mm. right? Give me, give me two examples. Dark-skinned Black people make, ele- you know, like um, hourly workers, $11.72 per hour, mm. right? Light-skinned Black folks make $14.72. Almost $3. And white people make $15.94. So when you look at it, that's Alice Walker's quote. Right. When you look at it, and so if we're saying, oh, wage is a race problem, but never address color, because 1472 is closer to 1594. So, but if, but you keep, you know, and then uh, marriage rates, 55% of light-skinned Black women are married compared to 37% brown skin and 22% dark skin. Now, remember I said 55% of light-skinned Black women are married. Only 52% of white women are married. Oh, get out of here. So again, when some things, when we want to say it's race, when we dig deeper, it's like, it's, this is not a race problem. It's the colors. So put the mic down. Sit, sit back in your seat on the stage. Right, right. It's a color problem. You know, like I'm listening to these statistics and as you are talking, I'm just thinking about academia because that's what I know. Right. And education. And I'm thinking about, too, like 
I'm just running a list. As you're talking, I'm just running a list in my mind of situations I've had or the things that I've witnessed in publications and knowledge and things of that nature. Lighter skinned people are often seen as the knowledge bearers and more likely as people who are going to be put on and that they can, you know, make sure things flow. Well, there have been so many times I have walked in a room and said something that somebody else could have said that looked like me and it's a threat or it's I'm angry. There's these negative connotations mm -hmm. that also go with being a darker skinned woman. And as you're talking, I'm thinking about when me and my husband. When I, you know, I won't marry with my first child, child. We had her out of wedlock. But when me, that was my man at that point, my boyfriend. But <laughs> I used to pray and be like, God, I want like a, um, I want a chocolate baby. I want a chocolate baby, and 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 they're cute when they're little. Mm -hmm. They're cute when they're toddlers. But then they gotta grow up, and then they have to go through this world facing all of these issues that yes, racism is present and white supremacy. They got to navigate that. But even in their own community, they have to grow up and navigate colorism. And I'm thinking about just my own children, my, my 17 year old, mm -hmm. just not even having, because we are in a predominantly white suburban mm -hmm. space, mm -hmm. not having opportunities to date and have these types of different things because the, the the black men that are you know black boys that are at the school are going to go towards the lighter skinned girls and mm -hmm. the white women or the white girls right and so i'm just thinking about how colorism plays out in so many different areas but we have often been confused to talk about racism white supremacy and those things when we're not addressing this topic that impacts us just as much as the other. Right. And, and, and in some statistics, more. More. Right. And in, in, in some cases, more. Because when you're reading this, I don't even, child, you would think every white woman had a man. <laughs> like, but, <laughs> right. Right. This is that you called out. And I'm just thinking of how lighter skinned women are not too far from where those gaps are, where you see a, a darker skinned woman is, you know, mm -hmm. there's a big gap. Right. And right. it shows up in hiring practices. <clears throat> I'm so glad that you brought that up about academia. Mm -hmm. I ain't going to say the university. <laughs> I'm doing that too. Um, but I remember uh, watching like three black women come and interview and they were all good. But the dark skinned black woman was the best. Mm -hmm. Hands down. Mm -hmm. And me and another dark skinned black woman, we were texting each other on the side and we literally text at the same time. I was like, they going to pick the light skinned girl. I was like, because physically she, she, needs, to be she mm -hmm. needs to be aesthetic and then i didn't miss the opportunity to also tell her i meet their aesthetic which is why mm -hmm. they chose me i mm -hmm. said but you know what when they got me they was like this is not the type of black she aesthetically she looks like but she don't give the energy of the type of black girl we wanted mm -hmm. and so even her and I having that conversation, she was like, Keisha, I would have never thought she would say that. I said, listen, I got a dark skinned sister and mm -hmm. I know how she has moved through the world. And people have literally said to me, I can't believe that's your sister. I said, how we got the same exact face, literally. Right. Um, so I think like it's it's our responsibility to name those things when they happen. And when they put like the other girl, she wasn't bad, but she was not the best. It wasn't the best. She was not the best. And she yep. should not have been chosen. But I know that was a committee full of white people. And aesthetically, yep. she was more aligned with them. 
aesthetically and also thinking about the ways in which she's going to show up in this space. If she's of darker skin, she might be more problematic, right? And so mm -hmm. there's these um, bias that are attacked, and that might not have been. They chose a lighter skin person. And I, they, I don't know how she. I don't know how she's showing up at the work. You don't know a lighter skin person can come in here and be totally radical, but Wait. you them the. I didn't want to call you out. But yeah. <laughs> I, I endorse that message. So like, but like, that's the, that's the thing. We come with these biases about mm -hmm. lighter skin women and darker skin women when you don't know what you're going to get. You don't know what you're going to get. And I think too, I grew up in the straight up projects when Thursday up. So they'd be like, this girl is ghetto fat. <laughs> we don't know what to do with her. But yeah, I Listen, but I think too, like it goes to show you like how multifaceted we are. Yes. For me, I won't, I won't great. I won't yeah. great, period. But I feel like the thing that I'm trying to say for lighter skin people is to name the thing when you see it. Like yeah. don't and don't don't miss the opportunity to be like, well, I'm just gonna whisper it to myself. No, I want you to find the dark skinned girl in the room that you know was harmed. And if you have the opportunity, I was known that committee because if I was on that committee. It went, it went down like that. But I was like, you have to use your space to tell the truth. Mm -hmm. You got to tell the truth. Like, mm -hmm. and I'm not hating on any other black woman. I'm just telling the truth right. of what happened. So if you see these things happening in your friendships and relationships, my husband will tell you, I have asked him, like, I noticed all of your friends, but a few, they got lighter skinned girlfriends, wives, what that's about. <laughs> and he like, I, well, I never noticed that. I said, I do. Every time right. I go, like anybody gonna talk about that? <laughs> I'm just asking. Yeah. And he's yeah. like, well, I never, I never, I was like, well, I'm telling you that it's there. So mm -hmm. I, I want you to go back and have some friends, some conversations with your guy friends. I was like, none of these women look like y'all mamas, cousins, sisters. Yeah. Y'all, yeah. y'all, y'all, or your mamas. Literally, they don't, like, they don't look like, like, they don't look like you. No, they don't look like you. They and that's what you. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Saying, we're not yeah. trying to hold you hostage. This conversation <laughs> is this conversation is this conversation has made us even forget the interview questions. But I, I like, yeah, I <laughs> she like let me tell you what colorism is. Right, right. <laughs> I was like, I was ready. I was. Yeah, you came ready, and I want to um do a, do two things. Mm -hmm. I want to just ask, just thank you yeah. for just your yes and just for the wealth of knowledge that you brought like if people are not listening to this and critically reflecting if they are not listening to this and seeing their position like what position and role do you play not to be a victim but to actually be like you know what this is Eric because even listening to you I was like this was like a therapy session honey I love week. it okay <laughs> yes oh, I but I do want to ask you if there's anything else that you just want to close us out with before we move to our other segments. Because like I said, honey, we don't want to hold you hot because we can make this run all day, but we not. <laughs> we not. You not. You not. Absolutely. Uh, so as I mentioned, there, there, there's not a dearth of data, right? Um, but before mentioning the data, um, outside of these studies, if you listen to dark-skinned Black people, Mm. they will tell you, you know, mm -hmm. but I'm bringing in data because I know that some people won't listen to dark skinned black people, <laughs> you know, um, but to your, to just backing up a little bit, there is data in on, for every demographic, Asian, Latin America, 
black, you know, black on black on every place in the globe. Um, and that data talks about increased education, mm. less likely to be um, pulled over by the police, mm. uh, shorter prison sentences for lighter skinned people versus darker skinned people, right? Um, you know, there are anecdotes about little, little dark skinned black children not being believed, like so automatically, so something happens between in a group of kids and they're, the dark skinned child is automatically blamed, mm. right? So being seen as a behavior problem and not being believed, defended or protected when someone else is the aggressor, when they're the victim of bad behavior mm. and, um, and, you know, especially if that per that other child is a light skinned child. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and, and again, I have a ton of anecdotes and things. So just know that there's data in every sphere of life, mm -hmm. employment, relationships, criminal justice, even looking at the people that we're marching for who are unfortunately, uh, you know, victims of state sanctioned murder. Mm -hmm. Right. How many of them have been light skinned? Mm -hmm. More important, I mean, look at George Floyd. Like, just look yeah. at his, right? Features. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, and so, um, so just wanted to say that it's, it, there's there's no shortage of date, data, uh, but more importantly, I mean, and, you know, anecdotes, qualitative data is, is data as well. So it, so if you want to find the studies, you can Google, you can go to, you know, go to um, your academic databases, but more importantly, just listen to dark-skinned Black folks. Just listen to dark-skinned black folks when we say something, this is happening, right? And, you know, to y'all's point, like, since I'm already out here telling my business, I mean, and, you know, let, you know, let, you know, Dr. Porcher, Porcher, let me know, right? Like, even with my work with SEEK, right, which is not always, it's very difficult to get funding at the level that some people are getting funding who are not really doing as transformative work as I'm doing, right? Amen. Imagine if I were light skinned. Because one thing that that ex did say to me, because as you can imagine, he did not respond well when I called him a colorist. But one thing he did, one gift he did give me, he said, at some point, I don't know why, maybe I wore him down. And he said, you know, it's true. The entire world would open up to you differently if you were a light skinned black woman. If nothing else changed, not my facial features, not my hair, not my body type, not my personality, not my credential. If nothing else changed except for that I became light skinned. Now, it's true, right, that if I were a white woman doing the work I was doing, child, they would be throwing work. It would be the most brilliant. Money. Oh, my God, that's so brilliant. You're bringing these black women together with elders. That you better. Right. Right. Also, and true to our conversation. If I were light-skinned, mm. if I were mm. light-skinned Black woman, and even truer, even more so, if I were a light-skinned biracial woman mm. with loosely curled hair, right? Somehow mm. less Black than I appear. And safer. so I, I'm safer. I'm smarter. All of a sudden, the idea is much more genius, right? Which it's a genius freaking idea, <laughs> Right. And, you know, all of a sudden it, they people would see the genius in it. They would see the transformative nature. So I would just yeah, I would say, listen. Yeah. Listen to dark skin black. Yes. Yes. Look at the studies. You know, just know that they're there. But listen to dark skin black folks.
you just said that. And I can't help but think about the projects and organizations I've been a part of that's gotten all of this venture funding. Mm -hmm. They're lighter skinned women. Mm -hmm. Even if they're not light bright, they're lighter skinned women. I mean, I, I literally did like a pan in my eyes like, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Who has the opportunity to parade around selling thoughts? Not and even work. Thoughts. Ideas. Because and and, and I'm not and we're gonna move on because mm-hmm. no <laughs> but they're selling thoughts just based on the strength of this is what I think, and people are eating it up mm-hmm. because of what you look like. Where is your fruit, though? And I think as a community, we got to be intentional about asking people, where is your fruit? Mm -hmm. Where is your fruit? Well, you did exactly what I knew you would do. (laughs) The whole church. So um, I don't got much more to add to that. So I'm going to just ask you, go to the next (laughs) section. Get the pastor some water. Get the pastor some water. She's getting the offering plate ready. Get the offering plate ready. But I'm thankful because we started Black Gays because we wanted to have hard conversations amongst ourselves. Mm -hmm. And we had we had Black Joy this season. Don't play with us, Mm -hmm. you know. But we got to have colorism conversations too, right? And that's how we heal. That's how we get better. This is about liberation. We're not playing. And this wasn't an easy conversation for any of us, but we all going to be better. Mm-hmm. We're going to be healed. So you, we read your bio. You, you, uh, <laughs> you doing the work work. Uh, but we want to know, we have a segment on the Black Gays podcast where we asked you, what you doing with your life? What you uh, doing? With your, so what you reading? What Ratchet TV? If you watch Ratchet TV, uh, what you listening to? Like, what are you engaging with in your life that you want to share with people right now? Absolutely. So I'm ready. <laughs> yes. So, so I'm. I'm looking for a glueless lace front afro. Because my cousin, listen. So I gave. I, I wish I had the pictures, honey. I have this um, huge lace front uh, with tightly coiled hair. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's part of it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. But honey, I ain't know the glue. I didn't. I didn't know you had to first go to somebody, pay them a couple. Sis, and she, my girl is good, honey. They don't be no lines. Listen, come on. I turn heads when I wear that. When I had, to, I had to call my cousin. I said, "Okay, well now I just want a round fro." But can you make it a glueless? I can't do the glue. No, yes, you need to do. So we got to talk offline. Okay, she got this little adhesive that's not glue. Something. Let's talk. Something that I can't. I don't have to go to somebody and pay them a car payment to put to put it come on. on car payment. I, I just can't. I respect so, your work, but come listen, on. I can't. So I mean, my girl is good. I would recommend her, but I just I ain't got it like that. And also the eyelashes. Your girl ain't never learned how to put the eyelashes. I can't, eyelashes. I can't even do the magnetic eyelashes, oh, honey. I can't. Magnetic one. I can't. I, I tried. I can't do either. 
I try and so that I can't. And so that so that's what I'm trying to do with my life. I'm on the YouTube videos. I'm like, listen, because I was trying to get the locks of rest. And honey, I look good in that them, them coiled wigs, honey. It's a whole, I gotta find a name for them. So there's that. The other thing I'm doing back to Dr. B, you know, when I as I heal and I have this line of men folk that I have to pick from, there is a sister uh online. Her name is Ask Goody. The and, account Ask Goody, and she has uh, Ask Goody, uh -huh. and she has classes in Rideology. I'm yes, I follow her. I follow her. What you mean, Rideology? She, man, I told you about her classes on Rideology. Uh, we'll talk about that. Yeah. What is this that you're talking? Is this sexual? Yes. Oh. Cause I feel like we, 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 I was like, oh, there are other levels to me. I'm a student. Levels to it. I'm a student. When you have the party, when you have the party, Hello? invite me. Okay. Okay. I'm there, and I feel like I, I strive for excellence in every other area of my life. I don't understand why, because when I meet y'all brother-in-law, I, I, you know, I, you know, I want to, you know, engage. engage I want to engage him intellectually, spiritually. You know, he's going to be politically astute. We're going to engage. And I feel like if Dr. Ass Goody is showing sisters. Yes. Yes. So yes. then. then you know where I heard about Ass Goody at? Where? When, um, what is her name? Mayel? The, the curl? The curl box? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. He hosted a. Uh, uh, on, she does she does virtual sessions too she's hosted a virtual session for black moms yeah and literally her social media was blowing up like it was the best thing they ever did it was like if you think you know you have no idea yeah no yeah, no so i so yeah that's what i'm doing with my life i can't wait for her to come to charlotte she hasn't come quite to brought her workshop to charlotte yet and then in that same vein my line sister dr katina kennedy gives you know classes on different types of of you know orgasms Oh. There are, there, I mean, you know, it's. I didn't know that. Yeah, was she's turning fifty. She's turning fifty, and she ain't playing. I'm okay? not. I feel like there oh. are. Yes, yes. Her name is Dr. Katina Kennedy. Uh, she's a Delta. Come on, scholarship Come on. services. Sister, I feel like that fits in there. Honey, and I feel like that fits into <laughs> service sisterhood. All of it. And scholarship. This is I'm Listen, I'm trying. And then my last one, um, there's a book called Sensual Faith. Sensual Faith. Sensual Faith. Uh, she's a preacher. Her name is LaVon Briggs. I don't want to misrepresent her work, so I have a little statement here. The book, it says, it's an invitation for women to discover a healthier approach to spirituality and sexuality that centers pleasure rather than shame. Uh, she's a body and sex positive preacher and author. So I'm gonna let y'all chew on. Yeah, I'm gonna let y'all. I think that the church needs that though. Yeah. Have you I heard mean, of Candace Bimbo? Yes, of course that. I have. <laughs> that that red lip theology, honey. Yes. <laughs> yes. So so y'all ask what I be doing. Uh, so that's that's what Girl, I be doing. Look, I got notes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's what, and I'm gonna tell her to take a photo and send it to me so I can have the notes. That's what I'll be doing over here. That's what I've been doing. I mean, I'm enjoying being really relocated to Charlotte. I'm a southern girl. There's red clay in my backyard. 
Oh my but God. That's, what, that's what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I love it. Listen, this we're going to move to the next thing. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to, I'm gonna she just snatched my whole soul in. Oh you my God. I feel like we're going to have you back to talk about <laughs> pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> to achieve and I'm committed to being a she learner. That's all I'm going to say. And if somebody got something to say, you just call me up, sir. I got you. You blessed us. Okay. Bless you. Yeah. This is a segment. I like this segment because it is a time to shout out people who are doing the work, right? Mm-hmm. That are on our levels doing the work because oftentimes we want to look up and be like, this person that I ain't never even talked to, but on your level, who do you see? Like, this is our segment. I see you. I so see who you. Do see that's out here shining and doing this work around colorism. Absolutely. So Dr. Sarah L. Webb, her, um, her um, IG is Colorism Healing. She has a website, Colorism Healing. Um, so one of the beautiful things when I started talking about colorism publicly, like on Instagram and things of that nature, um, I developed a community of people who we actually are friends, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, there are all these accounts of people um, who are much more committed, their platforms are, you know, so Dr. Webb has been doing this. I think she just had her 10 year anniversary. Wow. So you talk about definitions of colorism. You talk about a whole bank of um, the research. She does workshops for schools and corporate um, corporate entities. She's out here. She's got. She has a Tuesday teaching that she does on colorism every Tuesday. Um, so yes, Dr. Sarah L. Webb. Uh, we started connecting via DM. We met each other in person for the first time out in LA. We were both on a panel on colorism in Hollywood. She is my I sister. Know. And I just feel like if y'all aren't following Dr. Webb and you're serious about this colorism thing, um, you're not doing it right. You're not doing mm. it right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. This has been absolutely amazing. I know, I know, I know we have our church bulletin and we didn't have you way over your time. And I cannot let you leave without talking about the sisters in education. Can you talk about what it is, how other educators can be involved and what you do before we end up? We've been on here for almost We've been- 30 minutes, but I cannot let you go without talking. We have a ton of black educators who listen to this podcast and I want them to be connected. Absolutely. So sisters in education circle is um, it starts with the retreat, a four day, three night retreat, uh, intimate retreat. So it's not one of these conferences where there's thousands of people. It's like, you know, it's a limited number of folks with elders in our community. So sister elders, we call them sister elders in education. Um, folks like Lisa Delpit, Gloria Latson Billings, Joyce King, um, and a plethora of others. I, I mean, I'm naming those because you know their names, but there are a lot, a lot more Black women educators who you don't know their names, but you are standing on their shoulders and you may not know it. And mm-hmm. so it's a four day, three night intimate circle where um, we, uh, we sit at the feet of our elders. 
Uh, we honor an ancestor in education. So each elder lifts up an ancestor. So like Septima Clark, Ella Baker, mm. and it's and it's Black girl magic, healing, play, rest, and learning all four days. And deep, all, deep, all, it's deep, deep, deep excavations. Deep excavations <laughs> all day, um, all four days, all three nights. And it's just what I knew that we needed. It's what I knew that we needed. Um, yeah, it's what I knew that we needed. How do people get connected? They can email me at sistersineducationcircle at gmail.com. Um, I'm also the one who answers the DMs uh, on IG. Uh, so that's at Seek Retreat, S-I-E-C Retreat. And uh, yeah, just, just reach out and I will get you more information. The website needs to be updated, but it's still, it is up there. Uh, Keisha's on the website <laughs> doing her yoga, honey. Um, so it's www.siecretreat.org. But yeah, reach out. Have a conversation with me. It's me answering the emails. It's me answering the DMs. Uh, you can also text me at 215-983-8937. And it's, that's me too. <laughs> I, I just want to say thank you for today. Aww. It's full circle for me because yeah. the work that you did previously with me and I was a part of the first group and the work you just did here in this podcast space is I just want to say thank you. Um, I know that what you and Dr. B did today was not easy. Mm -hmm. It was selfless. And I don't think it's you all's role to teach us anything. I think when we want to learn things, we get on YouTube, we learn about wigs and all types of stuff. <laughs> and I feel like... Um, we got to get serious about healing our sisters and brothers around this work, too. And we got to do our part. So I wanted to publicly say thank y'all for that, too. So I know I just snatched the joy right out of there. But <laughs> um, our bulletin, our Black Church bulletin is y'all follow um, Dr. Lassane on all of her platforms. She also has a platform that we will share um, on all of our platforms where she talks about colorism too, that you can get connected to. Y'all follow us on Instagram, Facebook. We don't know what Twitter is. You can go on there, but we don't really know what it is anymore with that person. But definitely come on YouTube and interact with us. You can see our beautiful faces. You can see us engage with our co-hosts. Um, and really, y'all y'all know the type of vibes we be giving because we gonna give y'all what y'all gonna get. But come on YouTube. Come on over here. Get off that X place and come on over to YouTube. Um, engage with us on social media. We will talk back to y'all as much as we can. Share this with someone. Share this episode with someone. This needs to be in every classroom. Send it to your church folks. Send it to your friends. And y'all have a critical critical conversation. And don't gaslight each other because she gave us clear instructions. But I want to um, encourage you all to allow your dark-skinned sisters and brothers to put a mirror up for you. Mm. And ask you how you might be showing up in their lives and how you can do better. And that's all I have. <laughs> We done ran so this is the longest podcast ever, but let me tell you, baby, it's full of it's full baby. of goodness. It's full of goodness. And mm -hmm. I just want to thank you, Reverend Dr. Lestane, just for 
your yes and who you are and what you brought to the table, your vulnerability, your honesty, your checking us with the sweet Claire Huxtable, Michelle Obama spirit that you spend on it. I just thank you. Okay. So we going to close this joint out because I know you got places to go, people to see. So all I would like for you to do is just follow our lead. I am going to go. Dr. P is going to go. And then you are going to go. Okay. Okay. And make All sure right. you give us your whole full title to give it to us. Okay. 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 <laughs> All right now. So it is your girl, Dr. Bertrand. And it's your girl, Dr. Porcher. And it's your girl, Reverend Dr. Akosua Lassane, uh, founder of Sisters in Education Circle. And we yeah. out. We out. <laughs>